Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. In the name of Jesus, thank you, God. In Jesus' name, as you make your way back to your seats. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. It is so good to be here with you all on this Wednesday night. I hope that you guys have had a, uh, a good week this far. Jesus name. For those of you who are here Monday night, I stole Trey Henderson's line, which I, I guess me saying that I, that I stole means I need to repent. So, uh, Lord, forgive me, but I'm giving credit right now, so maybe I'm okay. I'm giving credit to Trey, but maybe so maybe it's not stealing, but either way, Lord, forgive me, just so I'm covered. Uh, anyways, I said I look forward to the, the special speaker that's coming uh, Monday night. I said I look forward to the, the special speaker and teacher that we have Wednesday night, and well, here I am. Nothing too special. I say that jokingly because I know... Um, when we have teachers like Pastor, when we have teachers like Brother Roberts and Brother Trey Henderson, it's kind of like having master surgeons, like just people who are super experienced, super, super good in their craft, just a different level. And then I'm kind of like the guy who wants to be a master surgeon, but isn't really even capable enough for the game operation. I buzz on the funny bone. And I think that one was a buzz trying to get your funny bone. I thought there was going to be a little more than that. There was nothing. So thank you for uh, preaching with me so far. <laughs> and with that being said, I would like to thank Brother Roberts and Pastor for the opportunity to speak to you all tonight. Never do I take an opportunity to uh, speak lightly. But if you, if you all have your Bibles, would you all stand and turn with me to the book of Isaiah. We're going to go to the 40th chapter. 40th chapter in the book of Isaiah. We're going to start with verse number 1. Verse number 1 says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Verse 2, Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her, her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Three, the voice of him that um, cries into the, I have a spelling error, <laughs> sorry, that Christo is what I put on there. That Christo, maybe I should switch over to my Bible instead of reading my hand type, there's errors. For the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Verse 4, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill shall be made low. 
and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Verse 6, the voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. Verse 7, the grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. And verse 8, the final verse that we're going to read tonight, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. Before, before all of you are seated, would you just pray with me one more time over this word and, and over what God has for us the rest of this service. In Jesus' name, God, I want to thank you right now for the spirit of, the God, or of you that, uh, that we were feeling in this service already, God, in worship. God, I pray, Lord, that I submit myself to you. God, I humbly ask, Lord, that you would use me, Lord, as a mouthpiece for your word to flow, God. God, that it would be for your glory forever. God, that there would never be an ounce of me whenever I speak, God. But I pray, Lord, it would be you that speaks. And I pray, God, that your spirit would move throughout this place. God, prepare us, God. Prepare our hearts now. Prepare our minds, Lord. Prepare our spirits, Lord, for what you have, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. If you all will begin to just lift your hands one last time, lift your voices, and thank God. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In Jesus' name. Now, if we were... To break down teaching to the most simplest form, at its very core, teaching is taking someone from the known to the unknown. There is a reason in schools calculus isn't the first math that is taught. We first learn simple addition and then subtraction and then move to multiplication tables, division, pre-algebra, algebra, calc, and then all the other ones that Brother Trey mentioned. He knows all, way more about all this stuff than I do. You guys remember last week, he was saying math that exists that I didn't even know existed. I was learning, and I was going straight into the unknown, actually. I wasn't going from known. I was going straight into the unknown with all the things he was saying last week about math. And uh, The reason I say all this, though, is because to completely understand, and I'm going to do my very best, and I, I try to do this every time that I, sp I speak, to bring clarification to the word. So... To help bring understanding, I'm going to start with a very wide view and then narrow it down the further that we go into this. And I'm going to admit to you that I'm double dipping a little bit. A week and a half ago, I preached on Isaiah and I opened with the, I, I always try and open with a broader view and, and bring it in and I, I'm double dipping. I'm using the same starter, but I changed it a little bit for you on how I opened up my sermon last time. So I am double dipping, I admit to you now, don't call me out later, I'm asking for forgiveness now. But I spoke out of Isaiah and I said something along the line of this and uh, it says, or what, I, what, I, what I said and what I'm saying to you now, but the book of Isaiah would read like a miniature version of the, of the Bible. 
the first 39 chapters, like the, the first 39 books of the Bible, is filled with judgment upon immoral and idolatrous men. Judah has sinned. The surrounding nations have sinned. The whole earth has sinned. So judgment must come, for God cannot allow such blatant sin to go unpunished forever. But then we find the final 27 chapters of Isaiah, like the, fun, the final 27 books of the New Testament. It declares a completely uh, different message of hope. A message that the Messiah is in fact coming. The message, uh, uh, the message it does is the Messiah is coming as a savior and as a sovereign to bear the cross and to wear a crown. Now the previous 39 chapters of, the, uh, of Isaiah certainly have passages of, of comfort and passages of hope in it. But it has strong tones of judgment and warnings throughout it. And if we were to dive in a little deeper even from here, we would see that the three chapters prior to the verses and scripture that we pulled out of, the, the, uh, before chapter 40 were where we are pulling our text from, chapters 36 through chapter 39, they have a historic outline and have a theme of confiscation. Confiscation, sorry. Meaning that in chapter 36, it starts with the first uh, uh, it starts in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign. And we see that the Assyrians begin to threaten and rise up and speak against God and speak against his people. And we would then read uh, of the wise response of King Hezekiah by taking the letters, the threatening letters that were written uh, uh, to him and taking him to the house of the Lord. And he would there spread them before the Lord saying, this is not what they are saying to me, O oh God, but this is what they are saying about you, the God of Israel. And we then see that, that God delivered the people of Israel out of the hands of the Assyrians. Amen. And, that what, what, and that's what we need to do. We can learn from this story that, that what we need to do when things rise up against us. When things arise against the people of God, sometimes we need to just find our way into an altar and lay it at the Lord's feet saying, I know what this thing says, I know what it wants me to believe, but I know you say something different, God. But that's a different lesson, I guess, for a different time. And we see later on as we move closer to where, where we pull our title text, we see in chapter 38, sickness now begins to take hold of King Hezekiah's body. And that uh, Isaiah begins to prophesy to him to get his house in order because surely King Hezekiah will die. But then the scripture says that Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And as I studied and, and really look out, why did he turn his face? Why did he turn his why that, that, that wording, that, the way that is written just stuck out to me so much. What, what does that mean? And as I studied, there was really nothing noted, nothing of specificity. Specificity. Man, I'm butchering every word. Every single word. Someone else want to come read these? Specificity. Oh, man. 
really, there was nothing like specificity about what this phrase is. Nothing noted or spoken on the terminology of turning towards the wall. So I can't tell you for certain if this was an earnest prayer or a deep prayer of anguish. But from here we begin to see King Hezekiah, who was a good king for Israel, begin to act selfishly and begin to act without wisdom, where he showed wisdom before and by going to Lord, the Lord first and laying it down at his feet, what the Assyrians were writing to them. We now see this change after his sickness, that, his, he, uh, that he began to act without wisdom. And, and maybe if we were to begin to dissect his prayers, his prayers for healing has just a little bit too much self-justification and, and too much focus on his own merits in them now. But then we see him in chapter 39 begin to invite the Babylonians into the kingdom, showing them everything in his house and everything that is in, under his dominion. And we see whenever after this, after he invites him in and shows him everything that he has, he is confronted, confronted by Isaiah, the prophet, about everything. And Isaiah began to speak what the Lord had said, that everything in King Hezekiah's house, everything in his house, and, and what, his, what uh, the scripture says, and what your fathers have stored up shall be carried away to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And here we see Hezekiah showed some of the, the poorest leadership and the, the greatest lack of wisdom. Because in, in this, this prophetic word spoken to King Hezekiah, that he would begin to lose everything. And, and people, his people, the people that he was king over would now be drug out and put into exile, into the Babylonian kingdom. And in this time, Hezekiah's response was bitter. Hezekiah's response was the bitter end of a king who was a king that overall reigned with godliness and goodness. But his response now was one that didn't care for the future. His response was one that, that didn't care for the future generations. It didn't care what was going to happen to the people that, that he led because he, he said the words that as long as there is peace in my time and truth in my time, I'm okay with it. His mentality was, it, it's cool with me because I got it good right now. A poor leader thinks not of the future. A poor leader thinks not of the future leaders that come behind him. And a poor leader is content with a drop-off and a straight decline after they're done leading. But this could be another lesson for another time again. We could break down this further. Sister Carol, you with me? I got some lessons in here. I've been studying a lot. That could be a lesson for another time, Brother Roberts. You can take those. Probably do a lot more with them than what I could. Now this brings me to our title text, where Isaiah chapter 39 just, just ended announcing of the coming conquest of Jerusalem and the exile of a nation. And the very first words that we read in this chapter, chapter 49, the, the turn of the page where, where hope and, and, and renewal becomes now kind of the subtext throughout it all, the first words we read is comfort. Comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. 
comfort my people. See, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. See, Isaiah knew what it was to warn people. Isaiah knew what it was to instruct God's people. But the Lord also wanted his people to receive comfort. And we need to realize that even though ruin was hastening upon them, and, and he was letting them know, notwithstanding all of this, but God had mercy in store for them. That it is the will of God that his people should be a comforted people. You know, I, I really wanted to just teach this, but I think... I can't help it. I think I'm going to have to preach this. It is the will of God that his people should be a comforted people. That even in the worst of times, even in the times where the people of God are facing exile, where they're facing miseries, where they're facing the, the worst things to come, that even in the worst when everything is going on, we can be comforted by the Spirit. Because it's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Because it doesn't make sense that in the midst of a trial, that it, make, it doesn't make sense that in the midst of a battle, that we would have peace and comfort. That doesn't make sense to us. That doesn't make sense to me that in the midst of all the madness, in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the struggle, that I could be comforted. That I could have some peace. In the name of Jesus, that in the midst of a struggle, we would have peace. That in the midst of the darkest times, when it seems that all is lost, when it seems that everything is fallen by the wayside, that there is peace. And in verse 2, and in verse 2, it begins to give reason for the comfort. It says that in her warfare, that her warfare has ended. And at the moment Isaiah spoke this, the battle may have still have loomed. That battle may still have loomed around. This, is good, this could have been a prophetic word, even though there was still an army against him. But as far as God was concerned, her warfare has ended. That the victory has already been won. See, this right here is a reason for comfort. That even though in the midst of a trial, in the midst of desolation, in the midst of whenever everything's rising up against you, we can have comfort in knowing that there is a victory with Christ. That there is victory in God's hands. That the victory is there. It says that the warfare has ended. It says that, that, that the warfare is accomplished. That the warfare is accomplished. I don't know about you, but I've never went into anything thinking that, that, uh, that a mission accomplished, that I accomplished my goal by losing. I've never been like, mission accomplished, you beat me. Cade and I have been playing basketball. We've been keeping track. There's uh, two note card, or two sticky notes in my office, games played, so we keep a track throughout the summer. In case I'm not there, he's not there, we mark it. We got win percentages, it's important. We have games played, and we have wins and losses. Right now, I'll be honest, Cade's up four to two. I'm proving that I have no pride right now. He's up, he's beating me. If we cut out tips, I would win, but that's for another day too. 
Sister Carol, that's for another day. <laughs> what was I saying? I've never, though, thought about going into playing a game of basketball with Cade thinking, mission accomplished, I lost. I've never once stepped into a, a, into a situation where it's a win or lose and thinking that failing is the thing that I want done. And I know that, that, that I can speak that I've never once stepped into a, 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 a battle. I've, well, I've never stepped into a battle, but I've never gone into a, a spiritual battle thinking that losing is an accomplishment. That being defeated in the spirit is an accomplishment. But what the scripture is saying is there's an absolute already happening. That there is an absolute in the scripture right here. That there is already a victory. That there is already an accomplishment. That there is already comfort to be had because our God is in control that our God is able to do in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus her warfare is ended it then says that her iniquity is pardoned for she has received from the Lord's hand double I'm sorry from the Lord's hand double for all her sins see this is the uh, this is the basis of for pardon on our iniquity. This right here is the basis of the pardon. See, the sin has been paid for. Isaiah is speaking in old covenant terminology. He speaks of Jerusalem bearing the curse for disobedience that is described in passages like Leviticus chapter 26 and Deuteronomy chapter 28. But this applies to us as believers of the new covenant that our sin has been paid for. That our sin has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. That the one true God, that the one God who Isaiah in the next few verses begins to prophesy about. The one God who came and he wrapped himself in flesh. The one who came not as a second person, not as a different deity, but as the fullness of the Godhead in Jesus or as it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. See, he came down and allowed himself. He allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed himself for that reason that we may be pardoned from our sins. That he would die. That he would die so that me, we may live. And now if you all would just stay, me with a, uh, stay with me for a little bit longer, I'm almost coming to a close. There's a, just a few more things that I want to get into. Picking up at verse number 3, Isaiah begins to speak of the voice that cries out in the wilderness. See, it says, cry out in the wilderness, uh, the voice that cries out in the wilderness. With the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And we see in this passage, uh, this passage has a direct fulfillment in the New Testament. Uh, and it has a direct connection to, to the person and to the ministry of John the Baptist. See, we see in Matthew chapter 3, verse 3. We see in Mark chapter 1, verse 3. And we see in Luke chapter 3, verses 3 to 6. We see that John the Baptist is preparing the way by preaching the repentance of sin to all of Judah in all of Jerusalem. See, just as Isaiah in the, in the previous chapters had been preaching repentance and giving the warnings leading up to the exile of the Israelites, John the Baptist preached the same exact saying, saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
I, uh, in the name of Jesus, I, uh, in the name of Jesus, I, I, I hope I can communicate what I feel so clearly right now. But there, I want you to know that there is a time, and the time is now. Because just as it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 7 and verse 8, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. That one day the things of this world shall pass away. That surely one day that grass is going to wither. That surely one day that flower is going to fade. But the one thing that will stand forever, the one thing that will stand forever is the word of God. See, and we know from John, uh, if we were to look at John chapter 1, verse 1, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, uh, was with God, and the Word was God. So we can know with a certainty and without a shadow of a doubt that no matter what happens on this earth, that no matter what happens, that no matter if the grass withers, if the flower fades, our God will endure forever. That our, uh, that, that word will endure forever in the name of Jesus. And I want to speak some things right now that, that through, throughout this studying and throughout this, God has really been working on me. That, that, that as it says, prepare the way. Prepare the way. And as I looked and I began to read on John the Baptist and began to study into John the, John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a wild man coming out of the wilderness. He's crazy a little bit. And he's coming out saying, he's got, he's got no regard for political correctness anymore. He's got no regard, and I'm not saying we need to be offensive. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that there is not enough time. We cannot, we cannot bank on there being enough time for us not to get a little reckless and a little crazy with our worship and with our spirit. We need to be preparing the way for others. See, there's things that are going to have to be flattened. There's things that are going to have to be raised up. There's things that are going to be that, that are crooked that are going to have to be made straight. We're going to have to start doing a little more than what we've been doing before. That we're going to have to start working a little bit differently than we did before. We need a boldness in our spirit to begin to rise up because we don't have time. We don't have time to worry about it. We don't have time. In the name of Jesus. See, the, 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 what, what, what also stuck out to me so greatly is the, the picture of the temporal versus the eternal. That this world is going to fade away. That the grass is going to wither. That, that the flower is going to fade. That this thing, the things of this world, the things that, that we find security in this world are going to be the things that pass away. But the Lord is eternal. And just as, just as the Lord is preparing a way to the, uh, for, for the end, we need to be preparing a way for Him. And if you all would stand with me, if you all would stand with me, I just want to pray over everybody right now. I'm going to open up the altars for just a moment. But in the name of Jesus, God, I pray right now, Lord, that your Spirit would prepare us a way for you to move. That your Spirit would prepare us Lord, that the things of this world, the temporal things may not hold us, God. They may, they, may, they may give us comfort in the now, God. But, Lord, the only thing that would truly bring us comfort, Lord, is you. God, the heavenly kingdom, the things of you.
Hallelujah. I know it's a Wednesday night. Why don't we just gather in the altar here just for a moment? The Spirit of the Lord wants to do some great things here. In Jesus' name. You can put verse 2 of that scripture back up there. Well, Josh was preaching and I felt that kind of jump off the page. He said the battle is the what the battle is already accomplished. Understand something, child of God, as you make your way down here tonight. Doesn't matter what you're facing, doesn't matter what trouble you're going through, what turmoil, what issue, the battle has already been won. The battle for your salvation has already been won. And it does not matter what can happen to me or to you because that battle's already, come on. Listen, when you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you've repented of every sin, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're living a life pleasing to the Lord, Brother Josh, that battle is won. And it doesn't matter. They're, they're looking at a time right now where their city's being taken, their nation's being destroyed, and the battle, the real important battle, it's so easy for us on a Wednesday night as people to get distracted because something's going on in the world. Listen, there's always something going on. There's always some trouble. There's always something broke, something happening, some turmoil, right? There's, right, always. That doesn't change. But the battle has already been won. Can I say it this way, Brother Josh? Before Jesus Christ ever stepped foot on the earth, before he was ever born in a manger, that battle was already won because it was won in the mind of God because God determined he was going to come in flesh to save his people. I think we ought to rejoice. I think we ought to lift a hand and magnify God. I think we ought to praise the Lord. Come on, we can go from a place of turmoil to a place of comfort. We can go, come on, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against me can prosper. It can take my life, but it cannot take the value of my soul. Come on, somebody, in Jesus' name. God, you're so able, you're so mighty. There's, come on, there's a great presence of the Lord in this house. Let's worship the Lord as they sing this song. Jesus' name. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it
Monday night, those teenagers in that park have no idea what, what happened, why it happened. But if they had made their calling and their election sure, what happened that day would have not been of a consequence in eternity. I know it's a Wednesday night. I know, I know it's a small crowd. But you know what? It's an opportunity here for every person in this room to make things right. What are you talking about, Brother Roberts? I'm saying this. If you've got unconfessed sin in your life, right now is the time. Because that battle that I is looming so large in my mind and in my heart and my spirit, it's not nearly as important as the battle of my salvation. Amen? If you're here tonight and you've never been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins, today is the day. Right now is the time. Why? Because I... All, all the world can destroy itself around me. I could even lose my life. Hear what I'm saying? I could even lose my life and still the battle's won. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.